Welcome to the Agent Success Podcast, where we talk about how to grow, prosper, and innovate in your real estate business. Learn how to find your ideal client, generate leads, and convert more sales from other agents in the business. My name is Brooke. I'm your host, and I hope you gain a ton of value from today's episode. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Agent Success Podcast. With me today, I have Elise. She is a real estate investor from California who invested here in Clarksville, Tennessee, loved the market, loved the area so much that she ended up moving her family out here to live. Her and her husband both now have quit their day jobs and pursued real estate investing full time. She provides us with a lot of value as far as how to get started, tips and tricks, and just inspiration that it can be done. So go ahead and stick around to the end. And without further ado, let's go. Elise, if you wouldn't mind um, just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Brooke. Um, So my name is Elise. I'm 36 years old. I am a wife, a mother of two, and currently a full-time real estate investor. Um, Previous to this, I was a nursing supervisor um, living in California, and we um, have grown our real estate portfolio um, so much that we have quit our W-2 jobs and made the move uh, to real estate full-time. Our portfolio currently is uh, composed of 21 single-family homes and three duplexes, so 27 doors. That's awesome. When I spoke with you last, you had told me um, that you had just recently purchased a some of those multifamily, some of the duplexes, right? How has that been going? It's going great. So um, they're all currently occupied. And um, we just had one that was a turnover and we just received word actually. So that's the one um, that that needed to be filled and it's filled. So we're 100% occupancy and we're looking at actually subdividing one of the um, one of the parcels to get even more income, either building on the front of it or selling them off. So there's there's always ways to keep adding value and just squeeze all the lemon juice out of the lemon. And those are all Clarksville, right? Or they are. All of those multis are Clarksville. What about your single families? So we heavily invest here in Clarksville, Tennessee and Oak Grove, Kentucky. Uh, We do have a one-off in Indianapolis, Indiana, and that's our first property. But 99.9% of our properties are right here in this MSA. So that was the first one. It was. Okay. I wanted to ask you, um, so just to take it back to like your background and in the introduction, you said you were a nursing supervisor. Yes. What is that? Yeah. So I'm a nurse by trade. I went to school. I have my master's degree in nursing. I started out as an emergency room nurse and then I started working for the health department um, and, you know, just became administrative primarily. So it was a great job. It was, um, I was very bankable for, um, (laughs) if if you guys know, you got to be bankable for these loans. Um, you get the best, best rates. Um, and so that allowed us to grow our portfolio. Um, and then, yeah, we switched full time. Our, our, our passion became real estate investing. Once the ball got rolling, it was really hard to break away from that. Mm. 
And what did Todd do? I don't think I know. Yeah, so Todd was um, a project manager, basically. Um, he worked for a fire sprinkler company. So that's really helpful. I mean, right, all of these skills, yeah. um, being able to manage projects is totally. really helpful. Yeah. Okay, cool. So how did you guys, you guys were in California. Were you born and raised California? I was. Okay. And so was he. Okay. And then how did you guys stumble upon Clarksville? Yeah, so <laughs> there's like this quote that's like, don't, uh, you know, recreate the wheel, just blow mm. air in the tires. So yeah. honestly, we looked at where turnkey investors were investing. Like yeah. the big, there's big companies that do turnkey investments and sell them to investors that either are a little bit newer or want to be more hands-off and don't have the time, effort, energy. Um, so we looked at honestly where turnkey companies were um, investing. Mm. And then we looked at their roster um, of these areas and and went through and found the best ones for us. So it was pretty simple. And I, I'm in charge of um, market selection. So um, it was Indianapolis. Indiana was the big one that we started with. And then we looked at Florida and we bought some multi in Florida. We've cool. sold that off since. And then um, and then Clarksville is, is the biggie. What's an example? Obviously, you like Clarksville the most, I guess. You sure do. Yeah. So <laughs> what was an example of a company like the turnkey company? I'm, I think can I? I can I ask that? You definitely can. Okay. Um, but we've since parted our parted ways. Okay. Um. So it was Marshall Reddick, and oh, they okay. are still here. Yeah. Um, in Clarksville. I see. So they would source the pro. I don't know much about their model, and so the basically they would just source the properties. Exactly right. So they don't make their money off of the consumer, which is the investor, right? So they make their money off the back end um, by either being the property management company, taking a cut from the agent. And I hope I'm I'm saying this correctly, but that was from my understanding. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I the, in, the consumer did not have to pay for that property other than um, maybe it wasn't the best deal because it's turnkey, right? Mm -hmm. So they would have inventory and then you as the consumer, as the investor would look at their inventory and say, I want to buy that one. And then they'd manage it for you on the back end and kind of facilitate that transaction. Exactly right. And uh, you could also elect, right, to not purchase from their inventory, but still use their agents, still use their property management companies. So um, in our example, right, our first property that we wanted to purchase in Indianapolis, um, we didn't like the returns on their inventory as you would call it or things that they had sort of said these are these are good ones choose these um so we flew out and um went and looked at our own properties and um i think we put like a three-hour stop clock on one of the offers and made them say yes and mm -hmm. um yeah that was our first property how many uh like did you buy from them oh let's see i think it was two just two okay. yeah one in indiana and a duplex in florida Okay, but they put you on the map here. Like they saw, you saw Clarksville was on their list and it sparked your interest from them. Correct. Okay, cool. So how, taking it back a few steps then, we just kind of totally dove in, which is great. I love it. But how did you learn about real estate investing or like kind of get that exposure, you know, as a nurse, just out of curiosity? Sure, so that's a great question. My parents are actually investors, oh. so both in the stock market and real estate. Okay. My dad actually knew Marshall Reddick himself. Really? He's the founder of that company. That's cool. Um, and was friends with Marshall, yeah. So um, that's how we, I got, you know, my start is really being very interested in investing, having your money, grow money, like there's, you know, um, yeah, I would say my parents. Wow. I had no idea about that. That's really interesting. So you and 
did Todd have a similar interest or were you like, we need to do this? And you were kind of giving him that exposure. So Todd was very open. Um, you know, I discussed, we discussed real estate investing together and um, Todd was just as excitable as I was. And yeah. that's really nice to have in a partner um, and a partnership, to be honest. I don't yeah. know that that's the case with everyone. Sure. Um, so it kind of um, snowballed when two people are equally interested in egging each other on. Yeah. You guys make an amazing pair. Like, Thank you. You guys are so sweet together. And also you're both just such cool people. And it's been a pleasure to know both of you and work with you both. And so... The very first deal then you did, you said, was in Indiana, and it was from Marshall Reddick. It was. Well, so I wouldn't say from Marshall Reddick. It was using their agent. So we flew out. We wanted to meet the property management company, look at properties locally, um, sort of get a feel for the area. This is our first investment, right? And we're young. Well, (laughs) youngish. We were 30 at the time um, and 36 now, so it's been six years of investing but um, so, yeah, that, that at that point, we wanted to fly out and we did um, throw a lot of properties at the agent that we wanted to go by. And then very quickly, we learned that the sort of um, really cheapies were were not the way that we were going to go. And he mm. was right about that. So that was um, a great insight by the agent. And um, it, we bu- purchased that property for like ninety eight thousand five hundred. It was just under one hundred. And now it's probably like two fifteen. It's worth two fifteen. So you guys still own it. We do. Wow. Interesting. So you guys knew, obviously, being in California, we can't do this here just because it wouldn't have made sense. It was better to go into another market. Absolutely. And did you had you guys saved up for a down payment for a house? You guys had been planning to do this. We did. So that was our um, we did a traditional 20 percent down payment. Um, We had been saving. We both, you know, by 30, we um, had careers. We were in our careers and, um, had saved up a size, a sizable amount to feel comfortable investing. Totally. And you guys have always been buy and hold investors. You're not flippers by any means, right? No. And we joke because whenever we go to do a flip, it kind of goes left. So, um, even though I would just say that the biggest thing we are is value add investors. We try to hold absolutely everything that we can, but regardless whether we're, rehabbing it and holding it or rehabbing it and selling it we are absolutely looking for value um and to make our our money um go far that's definitely a skill it's also it can be challenging like i've seen you guys find properties and do amazing things with properties and really um kind of force that appreciation or that equity into the situation which you said last time we met that well, that wasn't intentional you kind of had to right to make the deals work can you talk a little bit about that Yeah. So I would say one of the things about real estate and real estate investing in general is that you have to be flexible. So, um, you know, the real estate market changes constantly and whether that's interest rates, whether that's inventory, whether that's sellers, right? Like everything is changing. So I would say that primarily we've grown our portfolio through the Burr strategy, um, which is buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. And so um, essentially we put our money into a property, we rehab it, we take the money back out with the refinance and have a renter in there paying for the property, paying it down, and we should have all our money back, which, you know, this is how we've done our portfolio, all our money back, and then the renter pays the property um, in full. So we've grown our properties doing that way. But that being said, currently right now with interest rates, um, you know, with the high inflation, the high interest rates, and the purchase prices are not you know, reflective of that yet. So the purchase price has not, the prices have not come down 
Um, you know, so it's it's really difficult in that environment to be able to purchase and refinance at those higher interest rates and also purchase at higher prices. So um, we have had to pivot. Um, it, it's more of a flipping environment, to be honest with you, because the purchase prices still reflect um, that way. But trying to get our money back out isn't isn't the key right now. So you guys are open to flipping right now? We're open to anything that makes us money. We're open. Yeah. So that's the thing, right, is continually learning. There's so much to learn in real estate. And so um, being open, being flexible, um, because ultimately it's the outcome. And we fall in love with the process, but we we definitely need that outcome of our money making money. Of course. Yeah. Especially because you guys are full-time real estate now. You quit your job and you're all in. And, you know, of course, you guys, I'm sure, in a comfortable situation, but still looking to really get your hands dirty and like get in there now that you can fully give it your attention and I met with a lender this morning for coffee and we were talking about the market and they said um, that they don't like to look at this particular market as a challenge but an opportunity because there's an opportunity in any market and in any situation it's just the way that you look at it and you know, your mindset. And I thought that that was really valuable because if you are um, close-minded to the circumstances and you kind of just bow down to it, then you're not going to be able to find those opportunities. But if you're seeking them and you have an open mind, then you never know what's possible. So, right. Um, so you guys not only in, you said you had 21 doors. We have 27 doors, 21 are single family and then three are duplexes. Okay. So in six years, that's like a lot of growth like that's a pretty short amount of time to purchase that many properties it's inspiring how do you think you were able to do that so quickly yeah so it was a great environment um with the interest rates and so i would say we absolutely absolutely capitalized on that and leveraged our money so um uh and rehabbing and being able to take that money refinance, take that money back out and then use it again, just recycling the same capital over and over again. I wouldn't say um, that we had this exorbitant amount of money, but the fact that we continually pulled it out, did it again, pulled it out, did it again. And we had a lender um, that would allow us to do that without um, a seasoning period. So for those of you that are listening, um, they do like you to keep properties six months before refinancing. And that's Um, you know, the traditional mortgages, but um, we found a lender that keeps their loans in house. So they don't have that requirement. um, And they would let us refinance as fast as we wanted to. So that was also helpful, right? Um, So having having people on your team that can help you um, find properties, um, you know, people that will help you, um, you know, rehab the properties, people that help you lend whatever you need, you got to have a full team around you that I would say it's the team. Um, that really helped us uh, grow quickly. From out of state, too, like you were relying fully on your team. Like, how did you find your team? And I know that there were times that like contractors or folks that you were working with, like things didn't work out as hoped, as you had hoped, I suppose. So navigating that, like, I think finding good people locally can even be hard sometimes, like not being from out of state. So how did you guys go about building such an amazing team? Well, I would say we were very lucky with our agent property management combo. So I'll say that from jump. Um, We had a great um, interview with them and sort of um, asked all the questions that um, we were. They answered all the questions that we were wanting. Right. They gave all the answers that we were wanting to hear as an investor, because being um, investor friendly is sort of a different 
it's a different breed than just being, you know, an agent for, for anyone. So, sure. um, so we're very lucky on that front, but the contractors, um, we're on our third, like we're on our third contractor. So, um, we hold tight. We don't have really this abundance mentality when it comes to contractors. The struggle has been real. We felt that we've lost money with contractors before. Um, <clears throat> we've learned our lessons and, um, now we put things in our contract, honestly, to protect ourselves. So everything happens for a reason, and and it's only helped us grow. Yeah, you learn from those experiences. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys? I think we. I don't. I think we may have talked about this when I saw you a couple weeks ago. But had you guys considered subcontracting, or are you gonna continue to use a general contractor? So. If it's been smaller projects, obviously we've used subs, right? So if it's just paint, whatever that's needed, we wouldn't hire our GC. We have sure. painters on deck or whatever. So, um, you know, we have subs. The larger projects we have traditionally used general contractors or GCs. Um, but, you know, now that we're local, if we take on a rehab and we can just sort of itemize out the scope, um, there's no reason that we can't use subs. And we may very well go that route because it it's a big cost savings. It really is. Right. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that you have to continue to learn. Obviously you learn through your own experiences, the, you know, challenges that you face in your career, but also you have to be like seeking knowledge just like, or like organically, like searching for it. So I'm curious, like, do you have any mentors at this point in your career? And then also like, how are you educating yourself to continue to grow? Yeah, so I wouldn't say that we have any one mentor in particular, but we are always expanding our table. So we attend investor meetups. And to be honest, um, I will listen to anybody. You got a deal under contract and you did this. That's fantastic. I'm learning from every single person in the room always. There's always something of value um, from people. So that's that's one thing. And then, I mean, I guess I would say I'm always in awe by my husband. <laughs> um, so we we bring very different things to the table. And so he brings a part to um, this partnership and our our real estate investing that um, I some of the things that I find difficult or just plain unenjoyable. So, um, you know, constantly trying to learn little things from him that, I, you know, it's just not my lane. And I was never I never had to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so trying to expand my horizons on that front, too. That's really good. I heard something. I was actually listening to a Bigger Pockets podcast this morning, and it was about these two women that were doing this massive multifamily deal. Um, and basically, they were saying, like, in business, when you go into business with somebody, whether it's your spouse or uh, external, like, just a business partner, you need to have complementary. Compliment- Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Strengths. Like, you can't have the same skill set because you have to both bring your own unique strengths to the table. So just curious, like, what do you think that you really bring to the table and what does Todd bring and how has that been like synergy there? Yeah. So there's definitely overlap, but I would say, um, I'm more, I, I prefer to be the one that's networking. Um, I prefer to be the one that's finding the deals, right? So acquisitions is more, more my cup of tea. So was, um, market selection, I also run the projects, so like I'm in um, in charge of checking in with our contractors, finish selections, timelines, um, and sort of a, a little bit of the overall organization. But um, Todd does the stuff that I really can't stand if I'm being honest with you <laughs> so like I mean it's the bookkeeping right looking at Stessa and um, getting everything to our CPAs it's um, you know our LLCs our quarterly meetings and you know all of that good stuff that I don't want to touch yeah um, 
So yeah. Like the operations type oh, stuff. Yeah. 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 That's good. I, I can relate to that with John. Um, so you guys invested here. It was obviously a good market to invest in. And I think a lot of people would agree with that or see that with all the press that like Clarksville has been getting. But you guys decided to move here also from California, move your family here. And I'm just curious what played into that decision, because to invest here and to move here is like a totally different story. Yeah. So, I mean, we wanted to raise our, our family here, too. So it's not just that we believed investing here. It, um, we we believe in Clarksville. We believe in Tennessee as a whole. Mm. Um, so so we like Tennessee. We like the family values. Um, we like the way that the economics. Right. That's another thing is how a government chooses to spend their money. And um, are they bringing in businesses and employment and, you know, what sort of policies are they passing? So um I would say that absolutely was part of our decision making. And then I would also say um, to go into our quote unquote retirement, right? But it's not. We're just working full time in the in the real estate <laughs> business. Um, it would allow us to play a little bit of defense, right? So if we wanted to, um, Todd can go and work on the properties a bit if he mm. so, was so inclined. So we could play a little bit of defense, a little bit of offense, too, to continue to grow our portfolio. That makes sense. Yeah. You guys, you say, and I know you said this to me the other day as well but it's like you're not retired because you're still working in the real estate space but you guys technically could be right yeah I I would say a very soft modest um, level of living so that's the thing too is we do need to continue to invest if we want a higher level of living it's really freeing to know, though, right? Because, I mean, that's what financial freedom is all about, is you guys know that you can at least continue to live like your current lifestyle based on the investments that you've made and you've set yourself up to this point. So if you want to continue to grow, then you'll have to buy more properties. But can you talk about what that feels like to achieve that kind of a goal? Because I think that is like, you know, what we all want. We all want whether someone realizes that it's just time freedom or financial freedom all of that, what that means, you know, achieving that goal, what does that feel like? Um, It's indescribable. It's incredible. Um, For me, right, so I was, I think I I mentioned it earlier, I was a nursing supervisor for the health department in Los Angeles County during COVID. Mm. So it was the most stressful time. I was pregnant, um, and then I had a newborn during all of this, right? Mm. So it was the most stressful time of my life. So to go from from that, and I was working 14-hour days, um, and I, I remember begging, begging for a day off, Brooke. I was, I had worked 28 days in a row, pregnant, and I said, please, and these are 14-hour days, and I said, please, like, I need one day off, wow. one day off. So it felt like other people were responsible for my life, and I couldn't make decisions, and I'm asking, right, like begging. So um, now to go you know, the pendulum swing to the absolute opposite is, hey, do we want to take this repair on or are we hiring it out, right? Like, do we want to save the buck or or not? And it's just, um, we're, we're making the calls. Yeah. We we structure our own days and, and um, it's totally different. It's so beautiful. Oh gosh, I love that. And I feel that. It's like you're in control of your own destiny and you're not, it's freedom. I mean, it's just such a beautiful thing. And before COVID, did you like your job? I and I, I can imagine, I know nursing is extremely stressful. I was going into the nursing field. I hadn't actually become a nurse. So I don't have, I was a CNA, but I don't have like the experience that you did. Regardless, I worked long days and I know it's extremely stressful. And did you enjoy that environment or were you kind of always like, I want out of this? 
No, so I think there's pieces to every job that you can choose to enjoy. And um, I, I would say that I was for sure burnt out um, towards the end. Um, and a piece of that, too, it was that we were investing along the side and experiencing so much joy in something different. Mm. So I believe that there's seasons in people's lives um, and it's OK if it doesn't bring you the same joy, satisfaction, self-actualization as it once did. And if there's something else that's sort of um, tugging on your heartstrings and it's a different season of your life, um, this, again, is how we chose to sort of follow that path and explore something else that made us happier. That's wise. That's good. Um, just curious, like switching gears a little bit, talking a lot about investing. Of course, this podcast is meant to add value to real estate agents. And you've worked with real estate agents primarily, you know, during all of your transactions, if not or most of them anyway. And so, you know, I don't know if you've had like good experiences and bad experiences, but like what do you think makes a good agent versus maybe a not so good agent from a client perspective? Yeah. So I would say speaking as like an investor client, right? Mm -hmm. So as an investor, I think speed and accuracy. So for us getting the, the um, offer in as fast as possible is of the essence. So speed and then accuracy and helping us to determine our numbers because it's not emotional for us. It's purely math mathematical. So helping us determine that ARV and then if you're a agent slash property management combo, it's helping us also determine the rents. Yeah. So um, speed and accuracy bar none. And I would say the antithesis is what makes a bad agent, right? So if you're not accurate in your numbers, you're going to cost us a lot of money. Um, and same for speed. You're going to cost us deals. And so that relationship will not last. Yeah. Yeah. Your agent that you're working with, have they always been the one or have you kind of... Well, yes, actually. So we um, we started here with Marshall Reddick. True, right. <laughs> um, and um, uh, without, you know, um, it wasn't as fast, some of the offers that we wanted to get out. So um, we parted ways. And then um, that's when we found our current agent property management combo. And it's been um, it's been great since. Running numbers and relying on your agent to run numbers is the most important part. Of course, speed and accuracy, speed, getting the offers in, especially on a property. You know, there's only so many properties and there's so many investors. So once a property hits the market and all eyes are on it, you know, time is of the essence. And so accuracy and the numbers, though, is a big thing, like it, especially when it comes to serving investor clients. You know, you want to be conservative and you want to assume that the property you don't want to fudge the numbers and make it seem like the property could sell for more than it really could you always want to be conservative when serving investor clients probably anybody really but i particularly it can be so costly for investor clients so now that you guys have moved to clarksville you have 27 doors and you guys are looking to grow your portfolio and continue to expand and you're really eager to do so what are some of your current goals and you know what are you looking for I would say the ultimate goal is to increase cash flow right so I, I've shared that I think we are we've attain, attained um, financial independence on a very modest level or fire as some people call it financial independence retire early there's like lean fire and fire and fat fire um, <laughs> I didn't even know about oh, those terms yeah fat fire is like you're making so much money you can travel the world mm -hmm. um, you know so I would say 
we've achieved financial independence on a very lean, you know, modest level. So we'd like to grow that. And so what that means is, is either optimizing our current portfolio, um, doing, you know, some flips, although that's active income and we really um, prefer to be passive. So um, we'll, we, what we want to do is, is keep anything that we can and just continue to um, increase the cash flow. Have you guys ever sold any part of your portfolio for the sake of like buying more doors or, you know, leveraging that equity to buy something else? So we did sell our duplex in Florida. Um, That was a return on equity play. And to be honest, we were just in four different states. So um, it was a little bit of um, pulling back and and investing more in in Clarksville. So um, that's the only time that we really sold for the sake of, um, you know, trying to just focus our efforts. I'm really curious just for anybody that is maybe not in the investment space or has just kind of gotten the bug and is like really interested in learning more and kind of diving in. What are some of the early steps that you think that someone should be taking or what should they be doing to maybe educate themselves or prepare to, you know, pursue real estate investing? Immerse yourself. Absolutely immerse yourself. Listen to podcasts on your way to work. Um, go to meetups, to be honest, expand your table. And particularly with those that are also investors, right? You need to normalize this because, you know, I've heard this from everyone and it was true from my experience as well, um, that, you know, not everyone will be gung-ho about investing in your life. There, There's going to be fear, there's going to be hesitation, and um, that will be projected onto you. Um, and, it, and it's with good intentions, right? They don't want to see you make a mistake. Um, they don't want to see you lose your money. This is friends, family. Um, but go to, um, you know, meetups where there's other investors and they're being successful and you're normalizing um, investing. Um, and it's not this big, scary thing. And you're seeing people do it and you're seeing people be successful um, because that will absolutely have an impact on you and your mindset. Yeah. Was your dad like financially free? Was he like full blown investor? Like very successful or was he kind of like I dabble in it and also have a career um so they to this day work um I think they both actually enjoy working um more than I did (laughs) so um they still work um I would say they're very conservative and I do notice generational differences um you know they are of a different generation and they are got into like real estate investing much later and pay cash for properties. Mm. So um, as I've shared before, we were very different and leveraged, leveraged, leveraged. um, So that um, there was definitely differences in opinion um, on, on investing, even though we both believed in investing. Interesting. That's such a good point because there's so many different ways to like go about it. So you guys were not, you know, adverse to leveraging, but somebody else might be more so like, I want to pay for cash. And that's obviously a much slower gain. You're not going to have the, you're not gonna be able to buy as many properties if you're doing it that way, but it's a way to do it. Are they doing that for the sake of retirement, buying the properties or? I mean, they could retire. They're electing not to retire right now. Um, They're just, they play it very safe and there's, and there's different risk levels. And I think the same is true even of the stock market. I mean, look, right. um, The older that you get, you invest in, in different um, funds that are safer. They have risk levels. So um, 
I, you know, not only is there generational differences, but it also depends on the age in which you invest. So we are younger. We can afford to uh, invest aggressively based on our numbers, um, whereas someone may not be able to withstand um, some heat later in their life if, if something was to happen. That's a really good point. The the point that may, you made me think of when you said that, though, also is that you can really get started at any point, though. Sure can. It's never too late. Right. Sure can. Had your dad invested. I'm just like keep referencing your dad just because I yeah. think it's interesting. Yeah. I love that you had that exposure. I can't relate to that. So I didn't get my exposure until I took like an online course. I didn't know anybody that was investing in real estate. It was like a total foreign thing to me. So I love that you had that exposure. Yeah. I'm curious, when did he start investing? Well, so he was investing in stocks, I would say, primarily um, for his life. And then I think later on, um, he started developing a little bit of a portfolio in Arizona. I mean, it was it was later. It was my, I want to say, late 20s, mm. maybe. Yeah, like late 20s. Wow. And then I started at 30. That's great. Yeah. Um, you mentioned podcasts and stuff. Just curious resource wise like listening to content do you have like a couple podcast names that you could drop and then maybe like a couple of books that if someone's looking to like dive into this space to educate themselves that you would recommend yeah I mean look everyone knows bigger pockets so I would absolutely recommend um as far as podcasts go the bigger podcast pockets rookie um is for people that are maybe a little bit fresher in the game um and then the bigger pockets um the original podcast is great um I, I also like some that are more content heavy, like um, really diving in with their their podcast guests. Like the Weekly Juice podcast is probably one of my favorites. Mm. Um, I've never heard that one. I, yeah, and I just don't think it's as well known, and I love it. Mm. Um, I also like listening to how economics are affecting the real estate market. So Kathy Fedke, um, oh, I love her. So I love listening to her take on um, – on the, I think it's like the real estate daily news or mm-hmm. something like that. So yeah, I, yeah she's I great. That one. And I think I missed, what was the second you were asking about like books? Or? Yeah, books too. But I just wanted to mention that yeah. you assume that everybody knows Bigger Pockets. I do too. But they actually don't. Like some people aren't very familiar with it. So Bigger Pockets is just like the most amazing resource if you're looking to get into real estate investing. And you mentioned that there's two shows, the Bigger Pockets podcast, the original show, but then also. Bigger Pockets rookie podcast, which is really for that newbie, like trying to just get their feet wet and understand those like first few transactions. And also different strategies. So even if you're, you know, um, more experienced in one type of investing, there's so many types of investing. So they'll have just a variety of of guests on whether it's short term rentals, midterm rentals, long term rentals. Right. So like there's just a land flipping. I mean, there's so many ways to make money. And so to even think that you're um, experienced, it may just be in one facet of True. real estate. So I enjoy going on to the Rookie podcast um, to this day and listening to um, different ways that people are are investing. Do you still listen to a lot of podcasts like on the daily or? I do. But right now I'm sort of in like a health mindset mm. um, focus. So Important. It's, yeah, yeah. Right. So health and wealth. So um, right now it's it's mostly like health focus. I got you. Yeah. And then what about a couple of books or I don't know if you're a big reader or not, but I am. I actually have a ton of books, but some of them, a lot of them lately have just been on like mindset, like, um, right. Um, the compound effect was excellent. Mm. Atomic habits. Excellent. Um, and then I do have quite a few, like, um, from the bigger pockets, publications, um, you know, rehabs, of course, my 
with my history, out-of-state investing and the Burr, right, from David Green. He has two books that, like, literally. Did you read those? Oh, I sure did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you literally read them and then, like, apply them, or were you just like. No, we were already investing mm. at that point. Um but, you know, there's always there's always something to learn, even if um, we had been kind of established a little bit. Um, there's always something to learn. And totally. it, yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, Elise, thank you so much for coming on today. In case anybody wants to connect with you personally, maybe ask you questions or just follow your story. Where can they find you? Yeah. The best place to find me is on Instagram at investing for financial freedom. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brooke.